And I don't mean that in a mean way, like, why are you here? You need to get out. Like, I don't mean it like that. Uh, I really do mean it. Why, why did you come here this morning? What is the point? What is the purpose? And I'm by no means going to cover all the reasons that people come to church today. That's, that's not what I'm going to do. But I am going to highlight three different areas in which we as a church, gathering together, why we attend church. Uh, so you may be here for any number of reasons. Maybe you have uh, a family member who's here. Maybe you grew up in this church. Uh, maybe somebody drug you here kicking and screaming this morning. I don't know. That may be some of you. Yeah, okay. We got, we got a couple in the crowd, it seems like. Um, but what is the purpose of all of it? And uh, I'm going to do things a little here this morning because that's just the way my mind works, I guess. I'm going to preach the first part of my message before we even play any music, okay? And so... Uh, just, just bear with me, okay? It'll be okay. That'll make my, my, the second part a little bit shorter. Um, but the first thing I want to talk to you about here this morning is worship. This is why we're here. We're here to worship. Now, whenever I was looking at this, uh, I began to read in Scripture, and there seems to be something that we confuse in church a lot. One of the things that we confuse is that we think praise means worship, when really they're two different things. You can praise anybody. You know, the youth praise band has been doing a good job up here. Uh, My wife did a good job cooking dinner. Uh, You know, Tim knows a lot about cars. I can praise him for how much of of, of knowledge of cars he has, right? We, we can praise people for things, but our highest praise should be reserved for God. And, and there is a difference between praise and worship. Let's, let's look at some of the different things that we can, we can read about in the scriptures about praising the Lord. Psalm 89.5, and it says, And the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the, the assembly of the saints. The heavens will praise God's wonders. Psalm 148.2, praise him, all his angels, praise him, all his hosts. You see, praise is the act of acknowledging somebody for what they have done. So you can praise other people, but your highest praise needs to be reserved for God Almighty because of the things that he has done. The heavens will praise his wonders. All of his angels and all the heavenly hosts will praise God for all the things that he's done. Not only the heavens and the angels will praise him, Psalm 138.4, look at this. And all the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Romans 15.11, and praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Loud him, all you peoples. Praise can be dished out to anybody, but the highest praise is reserved for God Almighty. So, so how can we praise Jesus? How can, how can we do this? There's a number of different ways, but Scripture uh, keeps repeating one way over and over and over. Isaiah 12, 5, it says this, Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in One of the ways we praise Jesus is by singing. Psalm 9:11 Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion declare his deeds among the people. Psalm 33:1 Rejoice in the Lord O you righteous 
Praise him from the upright. Praise from the upright is beautiful. Here's one if you don't know how to sing. It says it right here in Psalm 98.4. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Even if you don't know how to sing, you can't carry a tune. Just shout joyfully. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. And that is your act of praising God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. And it seems like King David made a big spectacle out of praising God in a good way. Listen to this. First Chronicles 13.8 Then David, King David, and all of Israel played music before God with all their might, with singing on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and with trumpets. I wonder what that sounded like. Do you think, uh, do you think it sounded anything like what we're going to do here today? Probably not. But I bet it was of the same spirit. I bet it was worshiping and, and praising God for all the wonders that he's done. And, and can you imagine all of Israel coming together with all these instruments and singing and just praising the Lord. That's the, that's the spiritual attitude we should have here whenever we come to church. That's one of the reasons for church, is so we can sing praises to the Lord. Psalm 108, verse 2. Awake, lute and harp, I will awaken the dawn. Which brings us to our next point, worship. It's different from praise. It is different from Praise. Worship in Scripture seems to take on a whole different sort of tone, a more somber tone. It's, it's, it's more about what's going on inside the heart than what you're outwardly doing, although the outward does bleed through, so to speak. Luke 4, 8, look at this. Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you, ser- you shall serve. Psalm 51, 16-17, For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. You see how it's beginning to talk about worship a little different? It's, it's not the outward praising of God. It's the result of a changed life through Jesus Christ that brings you to a place of worship. It, it, it's not about all these big things. It's about you and the Lord together. Nothing else matters. Nothing else can come in and take away that sort of thing. And worship should be reserved for God alone. But we don't always do that, do we? we? We worship other things. We create these idols. We get fixated on other things. But whenever, whenever we've experienced the true changing and saving power of Jesus Christ, everything begins to change in our life. And this worship should come naturally. It shouldn't just be because you've been in church your whole life, so So you're going to sing all the songs and you're going to do all the right things. It shouldn't be about that. It should be that you are so blessed 
by what God has done for you and how he has changed your heart and your life that you cannot help but to fall before your knees before a holy God and surrender everything to him. That's what God desires. And then after that, after that, you sing praises to God. You, you make a joyful noise to him. You, you praise him for things that he's done in your life. But first you have to have that broken heart. You have to allow God to remove that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. John 4, 23, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's, that's what God is seeking here. The Father is seeking those who will worship him. It's not a show. God doesn't want a show. He wants your heart. And if if you've ever seen church made into a show, I think we've all seen examples of that at times. It, it's, it's not very flattering, is it? And a lot of people have left the church because of that, because everything seems to be a show. But that's not what the gospel is getting at. The gospel said, all people are sinful, and I sent my son to die on the cross, to live this perfect this, this sinless life and die this horrible death on the cross to satisfy the wrath of God for your sins. And it is a free gift. I raised him from the dead and now he is seated at the right hand of God. And if you believe this, and, and, and not only believe it because it takes more than belief, but make Jesus Lord of your life, that will shape everything that you do. I have my favorite example of this. It's from the Old Testament. It's a story I go back to. It's one of the first Sunday school lessons I ever, I ever got to be a part of. It was found in the book of Job. Uh, scripture says uh, a lot about Job. It's a pretty long book. And uh, one of the things that it talks about is Job experiences incredible trials. He has... All of his possessions ripped from him. Uh, all of his children die all at once. Uh, he loses his health. He, he's lost pretty much everything except for his wife. But she be very encouraging if you read in the book of Job. And so what would I do in that circumstance? That's what I always think. It's almost unbearable to even think about. But I can take comfort and I can look and see how Job responds. Listen to this. He just receives word of all the things that just happened. But because Job's heart, listen to this, because Job's heart is in the right place, this is how he responds. Then Job arose, he tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and, what's that say? Worshipped. That's sort of a somber, uh, a, a personal thing. You think Job was doing this for a show? Or, or for attention? 
No, I, I think this is a perfect example of the broken and contrite heart that Scripture talks about. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. So that's, that's the first part, is, is why are we here? Why are you here? And the first thing we're here for is to worship the Lord. We're to sing praises. We'll do some of that here this morning. And, and we can lead the congregation in singing praises. But nobody here can lead you in worshiping God. That's something personal that depends on you and your relationship with the Lord. So if you're on the fence, if you're doubting something, uh, sing, sing praises to the Lord for all he's done. But, but it only comes with true surrender whenever you can truly worship who God the Father is. So that's exactly what we're going to do here uh, this morning. That's why I wanted to first point. We'll go ahead and stand. I'm going to have the band come up. And uh, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. And then we will lead the congregation in praise to Jesus. Father, we just want to come before you, Lord. Uh, first of all, we want to thank you for who you are. You're the God who created the heavens and the earth. There's no problem too big or too small that you can't handle in this place, Lord. And Lord, I pray that as we, as we just sing praises to your holy name here this morning, Lord, that, that you would just be blessed and honored and glorified. And Lord, I pray that, that we could truly just have worship here this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for all the many blessings in our lives. Lord, we don't deserve them. But Lord, you pour them out on us anyways. And so, Father, I pray that we could just come before you with a broken and contrite heart, Lord, in humility before you, but that we could also just raise our hands, praise your name. Uh, Lord, if we can't carry a tune, let us shout a joyful noise to you. Father, we are so thankful for you here in this place, here this morning. And it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You'll notice uh, we have a little bit different band up here this morning. This is the Youth Praise Band. We, uh, part of them, the other part is sleeping because they had a really long competition yesterday. And uh, they got in about 1 o'clock this morning, uh, I think is what I heard. And so um, we're going we're gonna to sing a couple songs that maybe you haven't heard before. Uh, but this first one is called Here I Am to Worship. Look at the words to this song. It's, it's an older one. It says, Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Uh, the chorus goes like this. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. So let's go ahead and sing praises to the Lord here this morning. Father, we just want to thank you once again for allowing us to truly praise your name here this morning. And Lord, I pray that as we search for the answer to this question, why are we here that you would just be glorified and honored by all the things that we do, Lord. I pray that you would speak through your messenger, Lord. Allow the, uh, the words that you, that you have presented to me, Lord, be the truth. I pray, Father, that in, in, in all the things that we do, may it be from a heart of worship and to be able to just glorify who you are. Lord, we're so thankful that you just 
shape hearts, that you, that you change hearts, and that you just lead and guide and direct us in paths that we can never truly understand. And so, Father, may we be thankful, may we be grateful here this morning, and may we just praise your holy name. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So as we continue, um, the first reason that why we're here is the example that we just had for worship. The second example, the, the second reason why we're here is outreach. Outreach. If you enjoy something, you're going to talk about it. If you have a passion for something, you're going to share it. If, if you stumbled upon this self-help program and it changed your life, you're going to be telling everybody about it. But it seems like people get so hesitant to talk about this. And I know why. The culture is kind of coming down on us, right? Culture is changing. Christianity is no longer accepted like it used to be. But let me tell you, if you've been saved, if you've had a changed life through Jesus, then you're not going to be able to help but to cry out about who he is. And that's what I'm talking about with outreach. It's a witness. It's a way that we can reach out into our sphere of influence, wherever it may be, and to try to not, not just get people to come to church. That's good if they come here. But more importantly, get this, more importantly, they need to have a saving knowledge of who Jesus is, and they need to make them Lord of their life. So uh, I've just listed a few of our outreach programs here at the church. Um, one of them is Celebrate Recovery. Uh, we try to outreach. We try to share the good news of Jesus Christ to overcome any kind of hurt, habit, or hang-up. A lot of people come here for Celebrate Recovery, and that's a good thing. We have our small groups where we meet. We have Upward Basketball. We can use a basketball program to reach others to share the truth about Jesus Christ. We have Taste of Christmas. We participate in the Ministerial Alliance. And the Ministerial Alliance puts on these different uh, outreach programs, these community worship events all throughout the year. And, and this is a way that we can just reach other people. And the most important outreach program that we have. I can't emphasize this enough. This is the most important program that we have here, is your own personal witness. Think about that. What happens if you have a bad witness? What happens if you claim to be a Christian, but you behave like the world? Is that a good outreach strategy? Let's sin so much that that they can't help but to want to come to our church. Now, that might, may get some people in, but that's not an effective way for them to reach the saving power of Jesus. So your personal story, your testimony, you are personally responsible for the sphere of influence and how they view you. Now, you can't help. Some people just don't like you. Um, I, uh, I have a weird way of approaching people, and, and I, I have a reason for that, but... Um, all my life, my wife has kind of had to come behind me and apologize because she's like, he didn't mean it that way. He didn't mean the way he, he said it. So some people may just not like me because of that reason. But everything I do, I try to do with the power and the presence of God's Holy Spirit leading me in that. 
And whenever you do that, that is your most effective outreach. And I'm, I'm uh, very thankful today um, that I'm able to preach here. We, uh, we have another outreach program that we need to talk about here this morning. You see, we are part of an association of churches called the Baptist Missionary Association. And uh, they have a, uh, a place in their ministry called LifeWord. And LifeWord, they're committed to just reaching the entire world. Now, our church supports missionaries all throughout the planet because that's, that's what Jesus called us to do. And we'll get to that here in a minute. But LifeWord comes up with a sort of a um, fundraising once a year, and we call this LifeWord Sunday. It's, it's a time whenever we can, we can uh, donate an offering to LifeWord to be able to continue to do what they do. And so we have a short video to play for you here this morning, and uh, we will acknowledge LifeWord Sunday here this morning. So one way that you can reach the entire world is by donating to the LifeWord ministry. And I want to thank Miss Deborah for, for uh, helping to put together uh, some of the LifeWord things that go on. She is our representative, and, and she does a good job of facilitating different things and, and helping to spread the knowledge and the word of LifeWord. And so if you want to donate to that, you can at the end of the service. Um, but why are we doing all this? Once again, why are we here? What, what, is, what is the point? The first one was worship. The second is outreach. Why are we doing outreach? Matthew 20, the Great Commission. You've heard it a thousand times in this church if you've been here any amount of time. But listen to this. This is so important. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, look, look at this. They worshipped him. Right? We've been talking about that. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Maybe you've missed that in the Great or maybe it means something different since we just, uh, just talked about it. Uh, but some doubted. And Jesus spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He says, go therefore and make... Somebody say disciples. Disciples of how many nations? All the nations. There's a, uh, there's a pretty incredible verse in the book of Revelation that talks about all the nations need to hear the word of God for the things that take place. That's a paraphrase. All the nations have to be reached. We could do that within the next 10 years with the technology that we have. That's what is doing. They're going to a place where they have nothing, and they're putting these radio towers, and they're handing out these little radios, and, and the people can get a radio broadcast of the Word of God through their village. It's incredible, and it's innovative. And with the technology we have, we can, we can spread the gospel of Jesus all the nations within our generation. But it takes each and every one up to do that. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's our task as believers. 
It's not reserved for Pastor Jim. It's not reserved just for me. It's not reserved for the staff or the deacons or, or anything like that. It is, on, it is a command for each and every one of us as believers to go and make disciples. So as you leave this place, you don't have to go to some foreign land. Although you can help in a foreign land by donating to one of these countries, you don't have to go You have a sphere of people in your life who may not know who Jesus is. It's one of the reasons I drive a school bus. It's so that I could reach a people group outside of who I normally meet. And it's been very effective. I really enjoy that, going outside of these walls and ministering to people. That is our job. That is our duty. But it's not easy. You see, Christianity... Very simple concept, so simple that that six-year-old said that she believed in Jesus and wanted to be baptized. I didn't understand it because I was 23 and I overthink everything. But she approached God's throne of grace with a faith like an innocent little child. And I believe that, that she knew full and well what it meant to be a believer in Jesus. And I can't tell how many children have came as a First Baptist Church because of the witness of my daughter. It's incredible. It's simple. So simple that a child can understand it. But it's not easy. And if anybody tries to convince you that, that there's this cheap grace, cheap Christianity mentality that we should have where we can just fill a pew every Sunday morning and we've checked the box and that's all we need to do, that is a lie. Straight from Satan. That's not what our mission is. Our mission is to go into the world and make disciples. And that takes effort, that takes work, that takes sacrifice, that takes your heart being in the right place. And if you're doing it out of your own strength, your cup is going to run out real quick. Scripture says our cups need to be overflowing because we have the creator of the entire universe sustaining us. Listen to this story in Luke 9, 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. That's a pretty bold statement. Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now this seems really harsh, like you'd like to think that the man's father just died and Jesus is wanting him to just leave and don't even go to the funeral, but that's not what he means. The man is waiting, he, he wants to wait until his father dies before he follows Jesus. You see how it takes on a different meaning there? Jesus said, no, you you need to follow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You need to follow me. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, Christianity is more than just filling a pew on a Sunday morning. Christianity is an entire heart change. It is an entire life change. And you can't do that on your own. You can't fake it. Well, you can fake it, but it won't last. You have to allow God to change your heart. 
The third one, and we're just going to cover this real quick. The third reason why we're here, um, works. Now, works don't save you. They can't. Because if you can do something to earn your way into heaven, you can do something to earn your way out. And from what I read in Scripture, whenever we surrender over to Jesus, whenever we have that heart change, we're sealed with God's Holy Spirit. We're saved. And he sustains us. And we have a changed life. But whenever we're doing outreach... It takes workers. That's the, we, need to, we need to have this mentality that we need to have good works, not to get to heaven, but because we are going to heaven, as Pastor Jim says. We need to do things because it is out of the overflow of our heart that we want to do good things. I love that we have an overflow in the back. I love that. Out of the goodness of your heart and out of the abundance of the way that has blessed you, you can donate those things back there, and just people can benefit from that. That should be how we present the gospel as well, the abundance of the Lord in our life. We can't help but to do good things. Matthew seven sixteen through 23, listen to this. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." He says this because they did all these things out of their own power and their own strength. But he says, your heart wasn't in the right place. Your heart wasn't in the right place. And this is where we go to Ezekiel chapter 36. Listen to this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. So I want to ask the question again, and we're going to have a time of invitation. Why are you here? Now these are just three reasons. To, to worship God, to sing praises to Him, and to worship. We're here to do outreach And we're here to do the good works of Jesus. But that's not the conclusive list. That's not the entire thing. That's not all the reasons we can be here. This is just what God led me to to speak to you. These are the three reasons that God laid on my heart. And so I want you to take some time. If if you're heading to Sunday school and you're going to be a little bit early or, or, or whatever it may be, take your bulletin and just write down some of the reasons why you are here. What has God called you to do? Because each have a special calling on our life and a special mission to do the good works that he's called us to do and to do good things and to reach people who maybe nobody else in this room can reach but you. So how are you doing that? If you stand, we're going to have a song of invitation and uh, you come up to the altar as you need to.